I pray, these are Paul's words, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Lord, I pray that at the eyes of our heart where true sight is discovered in the Spirit, I pray the same prayer that Paul prayed for us today, that our eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, Lord. That we would come to see that the eyes of our heart would be illumined. Remove the veil. Remove the mindsets that stop us seeing you in full color. Remove the mindsets that we have that stop seeing who we are in you in full color. Lord, I want to know to a greater measure what I do, the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is found in the saints and the surpassing greatness of your power toward those who believe. This man, Paul, was on a pursuit of the true knowledge of who you were and your promises. And he was seeing, understanding, and coming into, and then speaking of a reality in the Spirit that he discovered through his own intimacy with you. Through the power of an intimate, life-giving, spiritual, transformative relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he wrote everything, maybe to the measure that he knew in a time, down for us. And these words have been preserved. For us, the living Word of God. And so, Father, I, today I ask the Holy Spirit that you would lead and guide us into truth. Not into our version of it or our image of it, but for what it is, you. Because the truth sets people free. You bring peace, Lord, beyond understanding that guards our heart and mind. You bring a joy that is not dependent on circumstance, feelings or situations. We can be going through the roughest time and have this joy on the inside of us because it's not determined by how we feel. It's determined by the God we know in us. And so Lord, I pray that as we've been looking at Understanding that understanding starts in the heart, in the spirit. Then it makes its way to the mind through a process of being renewed by the power of the spirit. And only then can we truly see and speak and demonstrate and live this transcendent life, this eternal life now. So, Father, I ask you to define me more and more this year. I ask you to shine into my heart and my mind areas that are not submitted or not aligned to your truth. 
Remove the veils that prevent me from seeing you as you truly are and understanding you for who you truly are. And Lord, I just bow my head and my knee and my heart and my mind again and just want to sit under your kingship, your lordship, your guidance and say, Holy Spirit, come and lead me, us, into the full measure of who you are. And Lord, that that would be in us, coming forth from us, because you've promised us a wellspring of life. Lord, there are words that say, I've got a river of living water flowing. fountain that will never run dry. Instead it goes to an overflowing position. So Holy Spirit come and do a powerful work in our heart and mind today as we hear from you. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I'll grab a seat. If you haven't already, thanks guys. Thanks guys at the back. Hang on to that. So I've called this Follow Me, the Invitation of a Lifetime. Follow Me. Two simple words but two words that will define us as a body, his body, and two words that will define us as individuals. So Jesus gives us an invitation. It's quite a direct invitation. He says, follow me. And then he gives us a promise. Jesus gives us promises to help us in our pursuit of Him. He is the ultimate promise, but like any other good father, He also has things, life-giving promises that He wants and longs to give His children as a way of helping us in our pursuit of Him. How many parents in the room? How many parents give your children gifts? Why do you give them gifts? Because you love them. You want to experience with them the joy and the the emotion and the, the love of giving. He's no different. And he has himself to give and he has his promises, his will, his purposes and his plans. And he says, follow me because I want to make you into a fisher of men. I want to make you into something. That's active, isn't it? So it's the greatest invitation. How many of you like giving, getting invitations? We get these cool invitations at our house to birthday parties. This is Lily's latest invitation. She's going to a birthday party of one of her friends who is turning six. I mean, I wish I could go to this birthday party. They're going to be horse riding. 
It's pretty cool. She has to bring a change of clothes and she has to bring a cool looking cowboy hat. And Lily, you're invited to Imogen's 6th birthday fun party on Saturday the 17th of January between 1 and 3 at the Capera Equestrian Centre. I think I might ring up and reserve my spot. But when Lily got this, she was really excited. It comes in an envelope. She didn't know what was in it, but her name is on it. And she's really excited and she gets it. Look, look, I've got, an I've got something in the mail. It's a letter. And she, she tears the envelope open, pulls it out. It's like, woohoo, what am I doing? I'm going to an equestrian image of my best friend. What a fun day that's going to be. And it's in the future. But how many people know that day is coming? The 17th of January is coming. And there are promises that God has given us that will happen. They're coming. It's just whether we are aligning our lives to them. But they are given. Joseph, at the age of 17, was given a dream, a promise. And 13 years later, the dream, the promise, was realized. And everything he went through from the age of 17 to 30 was preparation so he could handle ultimately the promise and then minister and steward well. Do you realize that's what we're going through? There's a maturing that needs to take place if you want to be able to receive the promise. Why? So God knows by the time you've matured, you can handle the promise and the promise won't squash you or kill you. And He went through all that he went through and maintained a spirit of humility and grace and thankfulness even when he was persecuted for doing the right thing and put in prison. And even when the guy, I think it's the bread maker, I think it is, forgot about him, he still maintained a posture of love. And then the promise is realized and he gets to activate and act out and live out the promise of God for his life. And as we know, how many people were impacted by that promise that he fulfilled? Many. And the guys that actually put him in the pit, his brothers, were on the receiving end of his love and grace. What's crazy about that is actually it was God that put him there. The Bible says it was God that actually did all this and put you through all this. So, follow me. The invitation of a lifetime. How many people can remember the day that he called you? The specific day, time, minute, where you were. Follow me, Greg. Because I want to make you into fishes of men. I want to make you into, I want to transform you into my image. Phenomenal. This is what I read out. Well, sorry, I text this to the staff during the week when I was just in my own time. I sense this year will be another defining year for all of God's people. And depending on our choices, the defining will produce great life. 
I sense we are to receive living conviction of the promises God has given his church in Revelation 2 and 3 and live from them. Nothing will stop and nothing can hold back the people of God who live from a revealed position of his love and his eternal promises. They're so powerful. Revelation of love is a revelation of God because God is love. We've been talking about that. The greater the revelation we have, the greater that work will happen in our hearts and the more on fire we will be. The greater the conviction we have of the promises that God has given that are going to happen and those things aren't just, oh yeah, I believe in them. No, those things are living convictions in our heart, which is where understanding starts. And now you've received transformative knowledge, transformative understanding. That knowledge moves and shifts you and aligns you to the pursuit of God. Rather than just, you have, oh yeah, I believe that, but you are living the same life you've always lived. You're making the same choices you've always made and your direction has stayed the same Maybe your whole life. We should be continually being altered till we find this slipstream that we're just now going down the river. The ultimate invitation to follow Him. So come with me to Matthew 4, and we'll know this very well. There's three questions I want to ask myself and us. I ask this to my life group, my discipleship group, and I've asked them to ponder this as well. So Matthew 4, verses 18. It's interesting, isn't it? In 17, Jesus' words are repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a lifestyle. Remove the veils. Okay, Turn to me and continually be looking at me so I can continue to reveal, transform, or renew your mind. So Jesus sets up the whole ministry on these words, repent, because my kingdom is at hand. What I've come to bring, who I've come to transform you into, it's come with me. And today is a new day. You've heard it said this, but I say that. You've heard it said this, but I say that. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the old, but I tell you today, he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You meditate on that one truth, that'll mess you up and bring you into incredible life if he reveals the truth on that. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the old order and now you're telling me that he who is least in this reality is greater than him? Who's he speaking to? You and I and everyone that's gone before us. So the first disciples, 18, now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Two words, one invitation, it's quite direct, and then there's a promise. Follow me, because I want to make you into something. 
fishers of men. Immediately, we're going to look at this, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, again, they left the boat and their father and followed him. There's some real good juicy bits of truth in here that we can unpack. Number one question for us, here are three questions that I believe will define this year for us as a body and as us as individuals. What will following Jesus look like this year? So what will following him for us as a body, what's that going to look like this year? And what's it going to look like for you this year as an individual? Because it's the individual parts that make up the body, isn't it? But God always sees through the lens of a body first, not individuals. So you can't just go, well, what's it going to look like for me? And not go, what's it going to look like for the body? Because I'm part of a body. And you can't just go, well, I'm just going to look at it from the body and not look at it through the lens of me. It's always both. So what is following Jesus going to look like for us this year? How immediate will our or my following be to his calling and leading? Ooh. So how immediate is it going to be? How swift is it going to be? And the third question is, what do I and we need to drop and leave behind to follow him wholeheartedly? Because sometimes you can't take stuff with you. How many people know that? We go, yeah, yeah, we're going to follow you and we're going to bring all our caravan and all our old used goods and everything with it. We're going to pack them all up and then we're going to come with you. And he goes, what are you doing? I told you to leave your nets and your father, we actually chose to do that, behind. And we're going to unpack that. Because we have to understand the context, otherwise we can get messed up within that very thing. And so I want to read it out again. Matthew 4.18 Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Nothing passive about that passage of Scripture, is there? There's nothing passive. It's a full-on, active passage of truth. Following Christ is an active pursuit. And sure, there are times when we rest and know that He is God, but even that rest is active. It's not a rest where we go and sit on a beach and put your feet up. It's an intentional pursuit of this person called Jesus Christ who said, follow me because I want to make you into something incredible that a world would look 
and see me through you. And sometimes I wonder how intentional we really are with the most important invitation we've been given. I think we spend more time focusing on things like what we want to be when we grow up, how much money we want to earn, whether we want to get married or not, whether we want to have children, how many children we want, how many overseas holidays we want, how many boats we want, how many cars we want, the house we want, the insurance plan, the this plan, the that plan. And yet the greatest invitation that's given to mankind sits on the shelf and then we add it to us like a handbag, like an accessory that we add to our lives. And we go, well, yep, okay, as long as it doesn't mess up this, this and this, then you can be part of my accessory kit. Maybe it'll look good on my shoulder. And I'll tag along and I'll do the things that good Christians do, but really it only you only ever remain an accessory to me, Christ. You're not my life. I'm not consumed with you. You're an add-on to me behind all these other things. But he says, follow me because I want to make you. And I look and I see these men that leave their livelihood behind and they leave their family behind because they're able to hear something. They recognize the word of God that is spoken. We've been looking at that, haven't we? Faith is built on the word of Christ. The living word gets spoken through God himself in the flesh. They're able to hear something of that frequency as it goes out into the atmosphere. It stirs their heart so much that they go, leave our livelihood, our security, our income, everything that we've thought is going to be, future sharks that we're going to catch. We're going to leave that all behind Plus, see you, Dad, out of here. Thanks for giving me birth. Nice knowing you. May not see you again. And we're following this turkey. Same invitation. 2,000 years later. Not a different invitation. Same invitation. Continues to be put out. Will you follow me? Well... Let's first check out the weather forecast. Sorry, God. It's going to be sunny in Wellington. That's a miracle. But we're going to go to the beach today. Maybe tomorrow. Will you follow me? Nah, you know what? Because I just need to do this beforehand. Then I will. You see, this year is going to be, I believe, one of the most defining years for the church. And I really do believe if you're lukewarm and you don't make choices to move towards, you'll become cold. You see, ultimately, lukewarm water becomes stagnant and cold, doesn't it? God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He doesn't want us warming a blue seat on a Sunday morning. He wants His life being expressed through us and into this world. And it starts with an invitation and a continuous yes. Let your yes be yes 
and you'll know be known. And God this year is going to ask us all some pretty defining questions. And he's going to give us opportunities to say yes. Come on. Come follow me. Let go of this. Let me transform the inside of you. Let me do a work within you. He's been talking to me a lot about faith versus fear. And so often we walk in fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what it might be like. Fear, fear, fear. Yet God says faith, faith, faith. So there are two words. It's an invitation, it's a direct invitation and then there's this incredible promise at the end of it. How immediate will our my following be to his calling and leading? I wrote these words down, swift, sudden, fast. Immediately. Now once again, I can't give you everything this morning, so I'm trusting you can hear what I'm saying. Sometimes you just have to switch your mind off and just act by faith. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know a whole lot of stuff, but I'm just acting immediately before I start asking myself these questions and before I start talking myself out of it. I'm just going to act by faith, belief, in Him, because I heard God call me, so I'm going to follow. And it might get messy, and it might be scary, and it might be risky, and it might mean I've got to leave everything behind. But I'm going to go. Because I heard about a promise, I've heard about a son, I've heard about a greater reality that I'm moving towards. And even if I cannot yet see what that is, by faith I'm going to move towards it, believing that sight will come as I take a step of faith and obedience to what I'm hearing. That's hard, eh? Discovering that with our beautiful children at the moment, even my own heart. Just obedience. Obedience. But I think, but I think, but I think, but I've got a better plan, but I've got a better plan because I've got more wisdom. Obedience, obedience, immediately, swift, sudden, fast, they moved and they went. Which means we've got to be able to hear the voice of God. Not our own voices, but the voice of God and act to the voice of God. Sometimes, let me pray on that as an excuse. We've all probably done it. We're being honest. Now, Greg, are you saying not to pray? No, of course I'm not. But sometimes we use that as an excuse. Oh, let me just pray on that one. No, you don't need to pray because God has already commanded us to do it. You don't need to see God whether he needs to change his mind on what he's already commanded. He's not going to change his mind. He says, just do it. Why? Because it's going to benefit ultimately my glory will be radiated and guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be changed, transformed. He's a loving 
Father. So this invitation that gets called is called from this loving Father who has everything that he has for us as a body and individuals, his will for us. How many people would give their sons or daughters a scorpion if they ask for a fish? Anyone here? Anyone that mean? Yeah, that'd be a good Christmas present, wasn't it? What did I get this year? Boom! Ah, scorpion! I asked for a fish! What happened to the bike? Oh, yeah, we couldn't find one of those. We thought we'd finally get you a cobra. <sighs> the third question, what do I, we, need to drop and leave behind to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? I think this one's the hardest one. Because we attach ourselves, we attach our heart to people, to things, and trying to detach those things is the battle and it's the challenge because we give ourselves to them. Those things also can shape and form who we actually are and they shape our identity which makes it extremely hard to let go because if you're letting go of a false identity, then you don't know who you are, which is way too scary, so I'd rather hang on to my false identity because at least then I've got somewhere to land the plane. And the thought of actually letting go of who I think I am but I might not be and finding who I truly am, that's just too unknown, Greg. That's just too out there. It's way too scary That's right. And he says, come on, I'll hold your hand and lead you into who you're really called to be and who you are. Because I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. So the challenge is God is there, it's just whether we're going to take that step and here, follow me because I want to make you. How many people are satisfied with where they're at in him this year? Anybody? Anybody go, man, I don't want more. (laughs) No. So it's a never-ending journey, but there will be things that you can't take with you on this next phase of coming to know him. I'll tell you that right now. There'll be things that you will have to let go of, priorities that will need to shift, decisions that will need to change, opportunities that will come that will go, no, I'm going to intentionally let those things go and pursue you. If we truly, truly want to experience the life that's promised. And these men were crazy enough to say yes. And they were no one special, were they? Fishermen, tax collectors, weren't exactly rated as the highest picking order in society, but it's who Jesus chose which gives me incredible hope because who am I? I'm really a nobody when it comes to world status. And yet he picks these people that are ordinary in the world's eyes. Not in his eyes, in the world's eyes. He takes ordinary people and he works through them and creates people who just are obedient, who get to see this kingdom life experienced in and through them. And we see this in these men. I'm going to leave everything. 
So come with me to Mark 10. Just another scripture. Mark 10, verses 28. And before this is the context of this rich young ruler that he isn't prepared to let go of his riches. He's not prepared to let go. Ultimately, there's something in his heart that's attached itself to his heart and he's not prepared to let go. He says, I've done all this stuff, but actually this thing you're touching on now, but that's the thing that's getting in the way of transformative life, transformative knowledge. That's the thing that's actually preventing you from coming into. And then he talks about children. Love children. Have a heart and a mind of a kid. Faith, a belief. I heard Clay's message last week. Great message. If you didn't hear it, go listen to it. Understanding starts in the heart and he's talking about his children. Clay was sharing how, you know, has a headache, whopping great headache. First thought, Panadol. Bree, daughter, I can pray for that dad. And he's said this a number of times, how his children are teaching him kingdom principles. Haven't yet got to a place where they're trusting in man. Now I'm not knocking medicine, please hear me, I'm not knocking all that, that is all good. But is it our first place or where do we go? Firstly, and really that's the principle that Clay was talking about. And so he says, you know, look at these children. Become like a child. But here we go in verse 28. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything. Say that with me. Hear hear these words. We have left everything. Not trying to take 99, we're going to leave 99% behind and take 1%. No, he says, Jesus, we've left everything. Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions. <laughs> Yeah, give it use to that one. Oh, no, I don't want that one. Can we take that one out? No, everything. <laughs> and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Greg, does that mean I have to go tomorrow and quit my job? No. Does that mean I have to grab my bank account and give it away to some person in Africa? No. What that means is, are you prepared if he calls you to leave everything and follow him? It says, when you hear from him, for my sake, not your good intention, that's something else. Not your, I think we should do this. Eh? No, when you clearly hear him speak, then act immediately. Which means knowing him is the goal. And that's why it's our goal, our purpose, to know him intimately so you're able to hear him, discern his voice, because there are multiple voices that will speak, and then act on what he says. Then there is the life. 
But Peter's saying, Lord, we heard you call us and we have left everything to follow you. I love Peter and John when everyone is leaving Jesus because they say your teaching is all too hard and he turns to Peter and says, are you now going? And Peter looks straight back and says, where are we going to go? Because through our journey, we've come to not only believe, but know that you are the Son of God and you hold all the answers. Could we say that today? Have we journeyed on the follow me journey enough to get to the place in our lives when you say, I know who you truly are, I'm committed to following you, None of that matters. In fact, have it all because I know that following you is the most important thing that there is on this planet. We all have the opportunity to be able to say that with authenticity. Every single person in this room that's not here today has the opportunity to say those words and have it living here. Wow. To be in that much freedom. To be free from the expectations that, that the world puts on you, that other family put on you, that all these things that get put on you when you're trying to follow Him and yet all these anchors want to try and suck you back into this world. And yet we've got an opportunity to go no and to be and demonstrate something in the hope that those on this side would come over. And I love what he throws in there. He says, oh, by the way, you'll be persecuted for trying to live this out. Why? Because people over here will not understand it because they're trying to comprehend it in their mind and they have not yet gone a pursuit of the Spirit in their heart to have their mind renewed to understand what's actually happening. And so some may decide to persecute you. And then he says, and by the way, you're to love and pray. Still want to follow me now? Come on, let's go. Phenomenal. What about Luke 14? It's amazing, eh, when you whack all these scriptures together and you see them all together. I'd encourage you to take these four passages, write them all out and read it as one long letter. Because, you know, you take a passage here and you go, oh, yeah, and you take a sort of passage here. But when you actually put them all together and it becomes like one page, it's like, whoa! The message just gets brighter. So Luke 14, 25, now large crowds were going along with him. Are we just going along with him? Decent sized crowd in today. Decent sized crowd at conferences. Are we just going along? It's good. We love getting going along, getting caught up in the hype. We love being in a winning team. Feels good and part of something that's doing its thing. It's awesome. And then the God of the universe gets up and he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Oh, I think we might. I think it might be time to go. 
What happened to the large crowds that were following him? We loved it before, all the signs and the wonders and the healing, and now he just turns the heat up slightly on the following me because I want to make you into something great. And as the heat goes up, what happens? Because the heat is there to purify us, yes? The heat is there to transform us. The heat is there for our own benefit. The heat is there to make us a radiant, blameless, spotless people. It's not there to hurt you. It's not there to to make you run away. It's there for you to run into the light. There is no offense in the Spirit. Run into the truth because the truth will set us free. So he speaks this reality. Remember, it's his reality. I'm not from your kingdom. I'm not from the world pilot. I stand and I demonstrate a completely different culture and I'm here on the earth and now I declare it. And these men have heard something and are starting to be activated in this culture. So he says these incredible, powerful words. And I've lost my place. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see he has enough to complete it? And he goes through and he talks about the cost. And then in verse 33, So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. Now once again, please hear me, Greg, are you saying I've got to go out and give up? No, all? No, I'm not. But if God comes and starts touching on certain things in your life, attitudes or things, or maybe it is stuff, he says, I want that because that's getting in the way of your transformation. That is getting in the way of you becoming the person I'm calling you, making you to become. That thing is a hindrance to you. It's a stumbling block to you. And I want you to give it to me and let's bury it in the ground so you can come and follow me and become all that I've called you to be. Why? Because I have these promises that I've speaking about in Revelation 2 and 3 and it's a particular kind of person it's an overcoming person who overcomes the challenges of life the obstacles of life that I want to give to let me pray about that I'll go have some quiet time quiet time's awesome but I think decision needs to be made Decisions will need to be made. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus says, I haven't come to bring priests. I've come to bring a sword. I've actually come to separate father, son, family. What he's really saying is, I've come to separate flesh and spirit. I've come to divide those of the spirit, those of the flesh. His heart isn't to rip Lily from my arms. His heart isn't to rip any family members from me. He loves family, but what he's saying is I have a higher order. I have a much higher order than the physical that my people live to. In fact, the physical and the spiritual really are to be integrated, so actually this physical family are living all for a higher order. This bloodline is living for a transcendent spiritual order. Well, who's going to start modeling that? Gentlemen. 
The men are to model this and demonstrate something that their family flow in and come into through their own choices. But it's a higher order than just a physical bloodline thing. And Jesus continues to speak this language. He's defining his culture, his kingdom reality, while he lived on the earth. Why? Because he said, follow me, because I want to make you into something incredible that's spotless, blameless, wrinkle-free. It's called a bride. And the bride will radiate my ways, my thoughts, that the manifold wisdom of God would be demonstrated that a heavenly realm would see. We are not just ordinary people, that song. Now we are, but we have the God of the universe living in us and he wants to come and do a work in us. So then the angelic realm would go, look what's going on down there. The sons of God are being prepared and all of creation is waiting and groaning for the sons to be revealed. Half of them are already there waiting, shouting, calling the church on. Come on. Why? Follow me because I want to make you into the same of these people that are already. What a promise. He, he labels everything with a promise. I promise, I promise. And guess what? My promises come true. But it's not just getting it out of a wheat bix packet. You just don't get it handed. I'll give you justification for nothing. I'll give you the gift for nothing. He just took it. Awesome. Well done. I love this young guy. He's from Spain. He's got a cool name, but he supports the wrong football team. <sighs> we can pray for that. So you get the invitation for nothing, the gift. But then it's about a process called sanctification. Come on, I'm going to make you. That word says process. Don't chase the outcome. Allow the process to form. And guess what? You'll get the outcome. But we want to, thank you, it is the outcome. But we want to chase the outcome. We're wired to chase outcome. And guess what? Process never happens. Because you're always trying to get around the true process. Why? Because you've got to leave you behind. Uh, no, I want to take X, Y, and Z. Sorry, well, okay, I'm going to go around this way. It's called going around the pen, John 10. I'll even listen to people that will tell me to come around the pen, so now I've got a whole army coming around the pen. Guess what? On this side though, still no life. Why am I still frustrated? Why do I still have no peace? Why don't I have no joy? Why am I still anxious? Why do I still worry? Because you went around the process. Now you can stay here and go, right, now go through the right door. No, I'll go this way again. God can play this game as long as you want. He's patient, remember? But the quicker that we go, no, I'm going to follow you through your process. You said you are the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to eternal life, the Father, but through you. So I'm going to go. So it's going to be a defining year. 
Are we up for it? It'll be an incredible year. It'll be a life-giving, transforming year. I love Clay's messages. Transformative understanding. What does that even mean? It means your mind is being transformed. So true understanding comes because you've received transformative knowledge. The truth that sets you free. The veils are removed. You can see and now you can live according to your sight. And you walk at a higher plane here on the earth. You overcome. I had a picture of someone in the ocean, massive waves. And you know what happens? You ride the wave. You just go up and over. The wave doesn't smack you and take you out. You go up and over. You're overcoming and over. Why? Because this year, again, you said, yes, Lord, to follow me. Because I want to make you into fishes of men. Amen. So, Lord, I just pray. I thank you for our time together. Lord, I pray that what has been shared today will go deep into our hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, that we would commit this year more than we ever have to walking this out together. I pray, Father, for a spirit of humility to be at the forefront of our hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, that we would seek, ask, and knock like we've never had before this year and that we would allow you to define everything about us. We are your children, firstly. Lord, we are yours. We are not one another's. We are your children. And Lord, because of that, we can release everyone in our care to you because ultimately they are yours. And we are their brother or sister. And so Lord, I pray it will go deep what's been shared today. And I pray for the spirit of revelation to unpack, Holy Spirit, unpack what has been shared. In Jesus' name, amen.